0: Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tooler sports Podcasts, where we bring you a look back at the week in sports. We get stuck into some meaty middles and we take a look ahead to see what's on our radar for the week ahead in sports. On this week's show, Simon and Ben chat all things China, making headlines ahead of the Beijing Olympics for some of the well all the wrong reasons and we get into some of the big news stories that's happening around that at the moment continuing a story we had a couple of weeks ago so join me simon and ben on this the last wednesday of the week hi gentlemen um ben we found simon
1: he's back he's back he's been hiding in his uh, son's bedroom
0: that sounds it weird looks like it. he's in a sensory room <laughs> he's been hiding in in his west wing of his house he got lost in his, 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 his expansive estate simon welcome back they to the got show lost.
2: i work hard for my money and i spend it on beautiful houses and will not be mocked for it um i'm good the, thinking sorry gentlemen. the
0: beginning bit you said you worked hard
2: okay that's a lie we know okay. you <laughs> Um, but welcome
0: back we had to ask our audience where you were uh, no one got it right um but we did have some funny responses uh, anyway welcome back simon it's nice to have you with us um and uh, let's get straight into it si we'll start with you um as our guest this week <laughs> <laughs> no, that's banter because you went there last week simon yeah. what have you got on your week uh looking back for us
2: well i mean it's good that um you know, that I'm back and it's also good to have, you know, for you guys to have some ratings as well. So, um, yeah, so, uh, I'm back. I'm ready to kick some ass. Um, so first of all, I'd like to start with a certain Rafa Benitez, Liverpool legend, uh, Ben's second favorite Liverpool manager of his lifetime, potentially. You're a whole percent. Roy, Roy Evans fan. Um, so or Roy, or Roy Hodgson, just don't play guys called Roy. Let's be honest. Um, so looking at it, Rafa was, you know, he was coming in for a lot of stick recently. Not obviously just since when he joined Everton and became uh, a bit of a pariah uh, on both sides of Liverpool. Um, but now after a really bad run of results, including uh, drawing one all with Man United, losing to West Ham, losing five 2 to Watford, losing the Wolves. Losing a Man City, losing the Brentford, losing the Liverpool, uh, and not having a win since the 25th of September, they have finally. And when they beat Norwich, they have finally managed to win, beating Arsenal yesterday, or as it will be two days ago when this show airs, um, giving themselves a bit of a reprieve. But for how long, Ben? Is this a is this a temporary thing, or is this the turn, the turning point for his season?
1: I think it's important to say first and foremost that last night Arsenal were very hard done by. Godfrey uh clean sending offs stamped on a guy's face. Um and they should have been down to ten men, but nevertheless they used that bit of luck and they delivered and Damari Gray again um showing he is a steal. I think they picked him up for 1.5 million. I mean, what a player. Um, and I'm gonna be honest, Sai, I mean Everton fans are, for me this week, staging a walkout. That was more to do with the the ownership, um, Ken Wright, than it was to do with Rafa Benitez, of course. But it reminds me a bit like uh, Brighton fans last week who were booing a 0-0 draw. Brighton, you know, were at the time, I think, 6th or 7th in the table. Uh, Graham Potter doing a great job. Rafa Benitez, I think, now has 7 wins for the season. This Everton side is simply not good enough to go and finish top six. They don't have the players. Mm. Um, Last season, yeah, Ancelotti was doing a good job, but he had a firing James Rodriguez. James Rodriguez, he also had a very fit Calvert-Lewin. And I think, you know, it's strange that these fans, these Everton and Brighton fans, and I don't lump them together, but it's the same thing, is expecting the world. You know, Rafa Benitez has come in, when they were managerless he's sort of you know in there doing a good job and if he can finish top half of the table Everton fans should be happy with that
2: yeah that's true um also important to say that a lot of these players that are on big money aren't even in the team right now um obviously you look at uh, Jofi Sigerson um you know a lot of stuff going on around him um you know you talked about Hammers Rodriguez uh, I remember at the beginning of the year uh, he didn't even know who Everton were playing. He'd lost so much interest in the team he's actually contracted to. Um, so yeah, very, very, um, you know, horrible times for uh, for Everton fans in that regard. Uh, but they still have some good players: Jerry Mina, uh, Charlison, some really, really good players. Um, and it was a really, really rocky load of results. Not having a win in effectively two months was a was a rocky proposition for any manager, even one with the standards of uh, Rafa Benitez. So. Uh, I think he's going to keep on firing. Um, looking at who they've got this week, they have uh, Crystal Palace away. Um, tough, tough. So Sierra's yeah, doing a wonderful job there. Yeah, he's, uh, Palace coming off the back of a couple of losses, Villa and Man, City, uh, Man United. But yeah, still, still going to be a tough game for him. So Rafa needs to keep going. Otherwise, he could find himself back in the same situation again.
1: What is a good season for Rafa? That'll give me a place give me a, a cup run what what's what is a good season for rafael just keeping his job
2: i think you gotta you gotta fit with a team like everton you've got to finish top half i think they've got too much talent in the team uh they've got too many guys on big wages uh granted obviously they didn't really spend that much over the summer because of um you know some issues with finances i'm guessing financial fair players reared its ugly head um but, yeah, at the same point, you know, um, they've got some quality players already and, you know, bringing in a couple of guys. And, and the guys they brought in have actually played pretty well. Damari Gray, we're talking about, has been particularly good. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Ex, Ex-Tottenham, ex-Palace, um, does some stuff on Talkspot. Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's come in and scored a couple of goals. Yeah. Um, so all in all, you've had a little bit of influence, but at the same point, it's, uh, it's been a real struggle. Um, and that kind of brings me on to my next uh, team slash manager. Uh, Newcastle, unfortunately, won a game. So um, my hopes of them going down without winning a game between now and the end of the season have happened. So all in all... <laughs> I, you know, that's a really, really good result for them. They uh, they beat Burnley 1-0, uh, relegation rivals Burnley. They are now on the same points as Burnley. Uh, still have a bit more of a negative goal difference, but they're only three points away from Watford who are in a bit of a kind of a negative form as well. So, um, you know, Newcastle getting out of the relegation zone is only going to be a boon to their potential transfers uh, that they are going to hope to get, you know, within the next... I don't know, within the next, you know, January and onwards, really. So, uh, obviously, Premier League status is essential for them. And uh, we shall see how that goes. But uh, they have a, a difficult game as well. They're playing Leicester, who lost to Villa at the weekend. So, we shall Lester see how that goes. on a real, real
1: bad run. Uh, Andros Townsend, a player you're about. There you go. Um, But I want to come on to Leicester, actually. Uh, I I literally saw them play uh, last Wednesday at St. Mary's. Uh, It was very interesting. A couple of points from that, I may as well get into it now. James Madison um, wowed me. I was really impressed with his feet. First time I've seen James Madison play in front of my very eyes and he moves the ball wonderfully. Good, solid player. But Leicester, lacking an idea. um, Talk of this Rogers third season business, not really buy into that, but I don't think... I don't think they've reinvested the Maguire money yet. I think they have to. I mm. think Evans is now starting to get found out. I think Evans and Sonny Ju simply not good enough for a team to be challenging for the top four, let alone, mm. you know, top six, let alone top four, which is where Leicester yeah. think they might be. Um, and in reality, if it wasn't for a, a Brogier, uh sitter missed at the end of the match, they, they probably would have gone there without uh, the single point they they salvaged. So Leicester I'm not too worried about them I actually think uh, I'm a bit worried about them so I actually think they're going to drop down the table regarding Newcastle and it's worth asking I know we spoke about this when the, the Eddie Howe came in and the ownership change who can they sign and if they sign someone do, does that player that, that comes uh, put a relegation clause in their contract because that's a real possibility here you know and if you um some of these names have been talked about Gareth Bale Ramsey if you come to that squad, will you demand a relegation clause in there? You'd only play in Championship football.
2: I think ultimately you'd have to, but I think the club would also think about that because, I mean, Newcastle, yes, they're obviously eyes completely, you know, beaming with the idea of uh, uh, all this money that could potentially come into their team, all these amazing transfers. But you also have to have a situation where that you could still go down. So if you've got Gareth Bale on two hundred and fifty grand a week. In the championship, with uh, you know financial fair play, with all the rigorous checks they have in those leagues, and with you know what would be reduced attendances, is just a, a natural fact that even a team with a diehard support like Newcastle, your attendances will go down. Um, you know, you're not playing, you're not getting the big money sponsorships and everything else, so. You know, you'd have to for both for both for the players and for Newcastle. So that could also be an issue where you bring in all these big name players. And if you get relegated, there's an exodus at the end of the year as well, which is not going to help the stability of the team. So um, you've got to be very careful if you're a Newcastle, uh, you know, uh, member of the board or whoever is going to be enacting these transfers, because you don't want a guy who's just going to come for the money as well, because, you know, Aaron Ramsey and stuff like that. I don't genuinely know how much he would offer. I mean, this isn't Wales. This is Newcastle. And he's not really offered anything in club football for quite a few years consistently because of injuries and inconsistent form. You know, you want to get good guys in, but you also want to get good guys who are actually going to affect your ability to play football and improve your team. Um, So it's a very dangerous precedent. And, you know, just because you've got cash doesn't mean you should just spend it so they're going to have to be very crafty with who they bring in and i as you said yeah there's going to be a few clauses on both sides of the uh, of the of the deal for that one
1: there is and I, I, we're all super excited to see what happens in the transfer season maybe they're going to go and spend 200 million pounds who knows but mm. um we we talk about these these sports teams and this is really sort of an interesting thing around football is people say well you know there's Um, very intelligent people running these football clubs directors and sporting directors technical directors blah 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 and the trust would be that they know what they're doing but a lot of times they make really bad decisions right and so Mm -hmm. joe blogs us the people podcasting and talking about football more often than not have better ideas than these people are getting paid hundreds of thousands of pounds and it's so odd it's such a strange thing with football how the fans know more often than not more than anyone else involved because they spend so much money looking at it, watching it, seeing how it evolves, maybe not in a management coaching role. But in terms of spending money, Villa did it very, very well this summer. They sold, offloaded, obviously, Jackie Grealish, but they bought and spent well and, and, nearly, and missed out, I think, just on Smith Row as well, which would have been unbelievable. Mm. Um, Newcastle need to acquire good players, and if they don't, oh, that could be a sorry story.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's just another thing that's, that's a dangerous thing to consider is you've got, um, w- with any sport really, you've got uh, owners of uh, mainly of two different kinds, well, three different kinds, I'd say. You've got your completely silent owners that don't have any necessary any sway and they're going to be kind of cronkies who maybe just keep quiet. They don't do anything. They don't you know necessarily put money into the team or whatever consistently, but at the same point, they're not going to be there every day getting involved in everyday decisions and you've got your others, obviously, you've got the odd one who just hires the appropriate person for the job and takes their amount of fame. And those are usually the ones that tend to be the most successful, kind of Robert Kraft in the later years of Robert Kraft, rather than in the beginning of his ownership when he was quite meddling, I'd say. And he just got Bill Belichick in and basically just let Bill do everything uh, for the New England Patriots. But, you know, you get a lot of managers and a lot of, uh, sorry, a lot of chairmen, a lot of owners that are very very involved uh, and just because you've been successful in the world of business doesn't mean you're going to be successful in the world of uh, the NFL or or soccer or or whatever and and so it's going to be very dangerous as well for Newcastle that they because hi- they need to hire the right people to make these decisions and because they've got such a, a board and a lot of them seem to be quite outspoken as well you don't want them getting too involved with everyday decisions for the team especially when it comes to things like transfers surely
1: yeah. I totally agree. I think Dan also definitely agrees here with sports ball. I, I
0: do. Yes, I completely uh, have no idea what you're talking about whatsoever. Um, you're saying a lot of names I don't understand and a lot of um, things I don't understand. The only thing I have picked up is just the constant
2: obscene amounts of money that gets changed hands daily in football. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the NFL is on a shoestring budget. Oh, the NFL? Sorry, F1. Damn, I'm having to go at the wrong sport. Fuck yeah, F1. I, mean, I
0: wasn't saying
2: <laughs> yeah uh, but I mean I think Dan's really let's be perfectly honest missing last week's show he's uh he's looking back fondly to last week where I'm guessing football was was slightly marginalized for other for other things so
0: that's <laughs> all right we, I don't we, what we, we talk about like si. i we can
2: carry, you, oh, you can talk oh. all, all you want about football it's <laughs> all on you I'm not here to so, stop you. <laughs> no, I'm on. I'm done with football now, now. Don't you worry. I'm done with football uh for this brief period of time. So moving from uh, the normal shaped ball to the odd shape ball that we like to talk about, the NFL, uh the Detroit Lions have won hey. their first game. We talked to the other week about Philadelphia's uh these Philadelphia, Pittsburgh Steelers, um, the draw, the tie, the game where no neither team seemed to want to win the game remotely. Um and that ultimately seemed like Detroit's best chance of winning. Uh, but they've pulled one out of the bag. They beat the Minnesota Vikings, who have now become the laughing stock of the NFL. Mike Zimmer, their coach, is almost certainly going to be uh, sacked at the end of the year, I would assume. Um, but, uh, an awful result for them, but a fantastic result for the Lions, who effectively won it in the last couple of minutes. Quite a dramatic game. Uh, obviously, a lot of celebrations for a team who are now 1 10 and 1. Uh, but, you know, fantastic for them and fantastic for Detroit fans because even though you want to get a high draft pick, it must be so horrible to tune in every week to watch your team lose. I have it with the Bears and occasionally with Aston Villa, but, I mean, yeah, it's a sorry state of affairs, and it's just fantastic they've managed to pull one out of the bag eventually.
1: Yeah, I've heard uh, that the draft picks are, well, super interesting, basically. I don't know if people are going to trade out or not yet, and I- I'd like to look at the draft picks in detail maybe uh, into the new year, but Detroit Lions have got two of the first five, is that right? Um, because they traded in, and the Vikings have two of the first ten. There's basically uh, blocks of names. I saw it the other day. I don't know if they'll be traded out or not. You'll have to put me right if that's wrong, but... Is are the Lions that bad, or or is is I mean, Goff? You know, obviously uh, through the the the, the 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 pass winning, a t- uh, game winning touchdown. Um, I don't know if the Lions are as bad as they think. Si.
2: um yeah, the Lions are dreadful. Yeah, they're dreadful. Okay, that's I fair mean, they, good they've good. they've got no wide receiver core. Um, they don't have any healthy running backs. Uh, they don't have enough depth. Uh, in their defense. It's, you know, it, it's not, they're not good and Jerichoff is dreadful. It's just a dreadful uh, quarterback. It's a dump-off oh, okay, quarterback will just give it to the, the easiest throw regardless of what happens. Um, Yeah, speaking of what you're saying, no, the Detroit Lions are number one but they do only have one pick in the top round. So, um, they are one of the, the best surprisingly one of the best situated teams at the moment is the new york giants uh dan's beloved giants the g-men he always talks about them off air off on air he pretends he doesn't know what we're talking about but off air he is a very keen giants fan uh who have (laughs) uh pick five and sorry pick six and pick seven right now which is very good uh situation for them as they traded with the chicago bears who are now absolutely dreadful so uh, sad times for me as a Bears fan but you know what was I expecting to have success now you don't have success when you're a when you're when you're me it doesn't happen they do not pick a winning team I'm afraid
0: do you so, the moving, White Sox oh, in
2: baseball yeah hmm? no I prefer I'm a Cubs fan I'm a Cubs oh Cubs, okay what, of course, course we yeah. spoke about
1: that sorry interrupting yeah. you Chicago right. woes
2: yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done with it now. Um, but going on from that, from woes from one team to highs for one team and woes for another, um, a big, big result for the New England Patriots last night. So uh, here I was, first thing this morning, looking forward to maybe on my lunch break, tuning in and watching the game, and I get a nice little chime on my phone from a, a certain co-host of this podcast who decides to tell me the result of the game what kind of a man does that to someone what kind of an evil human being ruins the results so someone easily? who's a
0: good friend no, he knows you're working hard he knows you can't keep an eye on stuff like this cuz you're so you're yeah. just working hard and yeah you know he's trying to feed Pain you bills. nuggets of info yeah. you know so, is yeah, is. Is?
1: I guess I get shellacked by my uh, NFL group messenger group if I drop scores on the next morning because I know some people like to watch the full reruns of the game. And I thought to myself, this Chicago fan side, our fellow <laughs> podcast um, anchor talent side, doesn't care to watch the Pat's Bills rerun—a windy, windy
2: game. Uh, maybe that's what drew to Is Chicago not the windy city? So, actually, as it turns out then this is where I was going to go at the end of this was that you did me a favor. Cause that was one hell of a shitty game of football to watch. That's so bad. Oh my God. It was dreadful. 14, 10. It finished. Um, you had snow, you had gale force winds. Uh, it was old fashioned football. The, uh, new England Patriots threw the ball three times. Uh, Mac Jones was two of three for something like 21 yards. um, and they ran, I think on something like 30 straight plays, they ran run the ball. So absolutely insane. Horrible game to watch. Josh Allen, I think he had a less than 50% completion rate on his passes for for the Bills. Awful game to watch. But Ben, who cares for you? You must be on top of the world. Yeah, listen
1: to who cares. I mean, Dan, I know he's not a massive NFL fan, but even he can appreciate that Matt Jones threw the ball three times. A quarterback threw the ball in the whole NFL game three times. This was the wind. And still the most valuable player on the pitch. Uh, probably not for me. I'm a big fan of Ramon Stevenson at the moment. And I will talk in a terms little the about In terms
0: of monetary value, surely.
1: Our rookies. Oh, no, 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 no. There's players uh, much higher, but he, he's, he's a rookie. He will be, I guess, in four or five seasons if he continues this form on a monstrous contract. But regardless of that, um, I think he made history. I don't know if this was the most or sorry, the least in history or at least for 30 years. Basically, he only made two completions like crazy. Seriously bad weather. It got me on a a sort of rabbit hole this morning and there was uh, something called the Freeze Bowl. I think it was the Bengals versus the um, Giants. Someone will have to correct me on that, but it was uh, uh, played out in minus 39 degrees Celsius. So, I mean when uh, soccer or premiership football would be finished for a bit of strain you know a little bit of snow on the Burnley pitch uh NFL just smashes through and I absolutely love the NFL playing that but yeah through the ball three times the Pats now lead now lead the AFC rankings are actually overall first rank for the Super Bowl at the moment Our ranks don't necessarily mean anything because you've still got to win a championship game you have still got to go through playoffs but they have not only a genuine chance of making the playoffs we're favorites for the playoffs in the whole of the afc secondly we have a genuine chance of winning it and it's about time i've seen a couple of, of videos that was on sports um on si on on some of the uh sports um news site uh, shows over in america get my words out sorry um they're talking about belichick now it's important that people stopped saying that Belichick can't win without the Brady. That, that, that whole conversation is crazy. He had one season of adjustment and now he is delivering again. We are good. Seven wins on the bounce and we're defensively unbelievable. Rookies, Ramondre Stevenson, I think he got 80 yards yesterday. Yes, I know we rushed the ball 46 of 49 times. I mean, crazy numbers. Um, Also, Christian Barmore, how excited I am that he's a defensive beast right now. Um and Mac Jones proving to be the best quarterback pickup by a sort of margin. I still think the cards are going to win the Super Bowl. Call me crazy, I still think the Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl, especially now Kyler Murray is back, but I am pumped and I don't think I ruined a complete game for you. Um what else happened in the uh, the NFL this weekend?
2: oh Well, Bears lost. I know that much for game soldiers. <laughs> Did I say that again? No, but I mean, going what you're saying about the Pats, though. I mean, yeah, they're on a real tear. I've been backing them for several weeks in my predictor um, on, my, uh, on my other podcast, um, Shutdown Coverage, Shutdown Cover on Twitter. Um, Shutdown Cover. But, you know, I've been backing them constantly because they are on real fire. And I don't think their games are pretty. I don't think they necessarily have amazing offensive talent, but they've got a good O-line, they run the ball well, and defensively they are absolutely crazy so um i think that's enough nfl talk i think we need to see what you have to offer and hit me with some big stuff
1: yeah the big stuff i'm going to hit him with before we go to you dan is um i scraped the playoffs in the fantasy nfl i was 0 and 8 for the season and now i'm in the playoffs with a great run just saying listen fantasy gold fantasy fantasy king here i've got an eye for it Sai. just got an eye for it who are you playing next week? Um, I don't know, but I'm I'm dual win. You're, you're playing me. I'm playing you next week. Yeah. Oh we yeah. can talk about this on the podcast yeah. before Dan's eyes glaze over again.
0: Oh, Dan, can you segue me into Divokarigi? Ben, I hear you're gonna talk about Divokarigi.
1: <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> this guy's all over Beautiful. it. Beautiful. You were
0: meant to say Divokarigi,
1: Liverpool legend. Uh, when Newcastle got taken over, Cy, our talent, our blazing talent, said Divokarigi was not a goal scorer. Not only is Cy wrong, which I take pleasure in, not only is Divokarigi a great goal scorer, he is a legendary Liverpool player. He got the 94th winner, 94th minute winner at the Molyneux against Wolves 1 0 those are the games that decide titles now on this podcast I don't go crazy waxing lyrical about Liverpool because you know you both look at me with bad eyes but look Liverpool are immense right now they uh they sort of belong with City and Chelsea battling for the title in what I hope is going to become a sort of titanic three-way battle I'm really excited about it and um Arigi, I just want to say that he scored again tonight it's 2-1 to Liverpool away at AC Milan we've got kids in the squad and on the bench Divock is an exceptional player how Klopp is managing to keep him happy as the fourth or fifth striker and he can come on and do a job for is unbelievable Sai, how is your humble pie
2: he's not a goal scorer God. Divock Origi has sixty-three goals in three hundred and one games. That is, what? how do you define a goal scorer? Someone important who scores goals, goals regularly. What no. No. Goals?
0: If it's sixty-three. No. If not, isn't the number?
2: What is it? Sixty-four. Exactly. Seventy-four. Sixty-four. Yeah. You're looking one in three. One in, one three. in three minimum. He's a, a good goal, goal scorer. scorer, and yeah. and Origi's
1: not quite one in three. But you have to bear in mind that Origi, in terms of starts, will be way ahead of one in three. And and this is this is my issue with with Divock Origi. He plays so many substitute roles. He comes on at the end of games, but he scores such important goals for us. He really does. You've got to admit him, Sai. I love him,
2: Divock Origi. Oh, I, I can appreciate God. your passion but try, no, try he's and put not your a face scorer. into words Simon it's just it's pure sadness at <laughs> his, his attempts to try and win me round uh, no he's not a goal scorer as much as you'd like him to be a goal scorer he's not that good and that is kind of seen out by the fact that no one has ever put a bid in for him do you know what, right? We're going to go, go off Origi because I want to ask this.
1: We we went very quickly past NFL and I'm enjoying my podcast podcastery this evening. Um, and I want to keep Dan silent for a little bit longer before he starts talking to us about Formula One. Um. Uh, Cooper Cup, okay? Get ready to be on the spot, Simon. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup is um, a wide receiver. Who does he play for? Sigh, uh, the Rams? LA Rams, yeah. Okay, so he plays Los Angeles Rams and he said this after the, I'm not going to do his accent by the way, I'm just going to read out what he says because I can't do his accent. Okay, quotation marks, bunny ears. They just had a little three-deep fire zone, bought the nickel off the edge, safety safety dropped down. They didn't look like they were going to do a replacement fire zone, so I knew with the back away we were going to get three pushing through. I had an opportunity to kind of run in there if I could beat my guy and just had to beat the safety to the end zone. Now, I want, <laughs> I want to understand what he means in any of that.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so, what part of it really bamboozles you the most? What
1: is bringing the nickel <laughs> off the edge? <laughs> Okay
0: the bit, so the bit and, uh, at the beginning of the quotation marks right through to the bit at the mm-hmm. second quotation marks <laughs> yeah.
2: so so in a nutshell um i had to google one part of this because obviously truth to be told you did tell me this before the show so i did get to listen to it once uh, <laughs> fire zone is the only thing i didn't know in that whole thing so fire zone it actually refers to a fire zone blitz which is basically where you rush five uh people Uh, Five defenders, um, which means you tend to drop one of your, what would be your standard rushing players, either your D tackle or your defensive end, and have them play in coverage, which creates a situation where you, because you're rushing so many and, and you're rushing effectively either linebackers or defensive backs or whatever, you have a situation where you have a wide receiver who may be open, which then will fix the a quarterback's attention on that player but then you will rotate because obviously you knew this player was going to be open you rotate defensively to cover for that so it kind of bamboozles the quarterback into choosing a, a you know potential th- a throw that's not going to go very far or having to reassess when that route he thinks is open is then closed to him so uh, a nickel is effectively when you play nickel in the NFL it's where you play with an extra defensive back so um safeties and cornerbacks are defensive backs and you generally pay with one less linebacker so some teams play a lot of times in nickel it's called playing in nickel um so what happened there when you talk about rushing him from the edge it means that he was rushing that the uh quarterback so effectively he was part of the blitz so um when they're playing three deep they're only playing probably with two safeties or one safety dropping into the box, um, and then two cornerbacks, which creates a situation where you've only got three players on the back end. And he is basically one-on-one with the safety. And uh, as long as the throw gets to him, he will blaze past that safety probably because he's quite fast and go to the end zone. So effectively, that's what, in a nutshell, a layman's terms equivalent of what he
0: Now, means. listen, if
2: that's I mean, your uh, layman's uh, terms...
1: That
0: is not <laughs> layman's terms. <laughs> Because I didn't understand the fucking word you just I said. Liked, I like how he answered the question as
1: to what Cooper Cup said. Cooper Cup, by the way, having a tremendous season for the Rams. Uh, what he said with more words that Cooper Cup uses that no one understands.
2: Yeah. Well, I had to it, teach you both. I had to you, teach you. I couldn't actually I don't
0: think you understand what, in a nutshell, in layman's terms, means, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so
1: I, I think it's it's a brilliant uh, little tidbit in advertisement for just how tactical NFL is. Not only do these guys hit each other with the force of cars, uh, it's so tactical. It's brilliant. When this when I saw this answer, I was like, "Man, this guy knows his game." Like credit, he's not just out there trying to catch a ball. He knows what's going on all across his teammates. Um, and I thought I thought that was super cool. Well done, Cup, and also well done, Sai for that wonderfully difficult answer.
2: <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> difficult without when well, you have to explain as you go along whether you'll have to <laughs> use more words it becomes very very difficult i'm still learning like, but i'm uh, yeah. i'm getting there quick. okay
0: we're gonna i'm gonna book it in now i'm writing it down we're gonna just do a show in the new year where we explain each sport to uh, as if it, to a five-year-old that's that's the game right. we explain the right. sport to a five-year-old and then we'll decide then which sport is the easiest <laughs> to understand
1: now what's interesting (coughs) is the sport that you're about to talk about you could explain to a five-year-old because they all play it every single day dan
0: (laughs) they certainly do nice segue ben Mm. um there we're going to talk about racing car racing motor racing formula one the pinnacle of motorsport the jewel in the crown of the motorsporting industry worldwide it's formula one the glitz, the glamour, the drama, the tension, and the controversy. There's a lot happened. So uh, Ben, uh, as we know, didn't watch the race at the weekend just gone. It was the first race um, in the, at the new Jeddah track, uh, the Cornish track, I forget, Jeddah-Cornish track circuit in Saudi Arabia. Um, the uh, Formula Two race um, had a horrific incident at the uh, start of the race with Fittipaldi going into the back of another race driver, uh, which you never want to see. It's essentially, some, um, you know, someone going you know 100 miles an hour into the back of someone that's not moving, um, and they both got quite badly injured. They're both okay and well and likely to make it back to the grid, but yeah, battered and bruised and, and broken, literally. Um, And then, yeah, there was lots more about the circuit itself, which we're not going to go into too much. It'll come up a little bit. But this race had excitement. Uh, The Formula One race had excitement. It had overtaking a little bit. It had drama. It had clashes. It had safety cars. It had virtual safety cars. Um, It had close racing. It had a title fight. So in effect, you know, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect race that we all want. But so many people came away from this race feeling unhappy and almost angry at the sport. Now, depending on who you pick out of the F1 audience, everyone's angry at a different person or a different team or a different thing that happened. And that's where Formula One is right now. It's a very divisive place. But we're going to pick up a couple of things. One is last week we talked about uh, what was going to happen in the championship. Max Verstappen had four or five, I think it was five different permutations where he could walk away with the title uh, the weekend just gone. He didn't. Lewis Hamilton won the race and they now go into, um, we'll come back to it later on, but they're essentially level pegging on the um in the championship at the moment, going into the final race next weekend. So um, for, for Hamilton fans, it was excellent. It was a good outcome. However, there was a, a number of incidents, one of which, Ben, uh, is where Max Verstappen uh, was told to give a place back to Lewis Hamilton because he took it improperly uh, by cutting a corner or forcing him. I, I can't remember which one. There's so many different incidents. I forget which one exactly led to which. But he had to, live, to give the place over. And typically a driver moved to the side quite visibly and obviously and the driver behind will pass. Without going into too much detail, several things were going on here. Um, one of which is Hamilton wasn't informed of this uh, immediately, and so he wasn't didn't know what Max, uh, Max Verstappen was doing, slowing down so so much. And at those speeds, it's quite it's quite a significant drop. Uh, And secondly, there was a DRS zone coming out, so a drag reduction system zone. So this is a little line in the track which the driver, if they're within a certain distance of the driver in front, they get to go a bit faster behind them on the next straight. Um... And Hamilton didn't want to be in front of Verstappen for this and vice versa because they would get the speed boost, blah, blah, blah. So all this calamity came together. Hamilton goes into the back of Max Verstappen, damages his rear wing, uh, does potential damage to Max, uh, goes on to win the race, sets fastest lap after fastest lap with a broken front wing. Um, But yeah, it was a mess. And we had so much radio contact in this race between the drivers and the pit wall, between the pit wall and the FIA. We heard conversations we've never really heard before. We heard uh, Michael Massey, the race director, you know, essentially bartering with Red Bull about the offer. Like you can give, the, our offer to you is you give the place back um, or, you know, essentially or it goes to the stewards and they decide that kind of thing. But the kind of battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen is not a comfortable thing to be watching right now. Now, there's history here. Um, over the course of the season, Max has done stuff that's bad. Lewis has done stuff that's bad. Um, they've each had various penalties that have been contentious. There's zero consistency in Formula 1 when it comes to penalties. Uh, so stewards are different every race, for example. Um, and uh, just a final word, Ben, before I bring you in on this, is, oh, where was I going? Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, is the, it's never been more divisive in um, in social media you know people are ma- like really hard max or really hard lewis like there's no sort of doesn't seem to be any moderate ground in this it's like everything's against lewis or everything's purposely against max it seems to be quite twisted however the real winners here are liberty media they're an entertainment company at the end of the day it double in media and um radio and um I think baseball as well you know this is their business and so it is great for them isn't it you know everyone's talking about it it's it's not fun for people who just enjoy the sport for what it can be uh this but this aggression playing out through media is you know no back no press is bad press right
1: yeah i mean a lot of a lot of ideas a lot of questions difficult for someone who didn't watch the race to really sort of piece it together um, I won't be overly critical of the race or the event because I think you know Saudi Arabia is still killing journalists. who are, um, but I very much dislike the track. I very much dislike going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Formula One's going down an avenue that I'm not a massive fan of. Um, if personally, if it wasn't for Max Verstappen, this whole season's a write off. Um, and any time someone gets close to Lewis Hamilton, it seems to go to the FIA. Now, for me, that can't still be a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence that someone challenges Hamilton and every time, penalty after penalty, they're the ones doing the unsafe driving. I have watched the replay, okay? Uh, Maybe I'm a hypocrite, but I did watch the replay on Instagram. I mean, my feed is full of Formula 1, so difficult to avoid it, and that does answer the social media question. Um, But yeah, I have seen it and clearly... Hamilton is at fault for going into the back of him. Verstappen was slowing down to let him pass, and Hamilton chose not to go past because he didn't want to, because he didn't want to then be repassed. Hamilton would have done exactly the same if the roles were reversed, exactly the same. And Verstappen may have gone into the back of him or may have avoided him. It doesn't really matter. It's tit for tat, and it's going to go down to the last race of the season where it's a Mercedes track, although Verstappen won there last year but that was after the title was wrapped up, so Mercedes were just rolling. I think Hamilton sat behind Bottas and finished third. Personally, I hope Verstappen uh, and Hamilton both take each other out in the first corner and Verstappen gets out with his arms up in the air and takes the championship home. I think it's the first time that Hamilton's had any competition since 2016, and I think he's um, him and Toto and Mercedes... I'd just love it if they'd lose. I would love it. I don't want to sound like Kevin Keegan here, but I would bloody love it.
0: See, I I have to disagree on a number of points. One is the uh, the incident. I I think having watched the the race as a whole, um, there were many incidents where you think, oh, yeah, there's something other and you think. Do you know what? Absolutely right the other way around probably would have happened. And yeah, maybe they would have done the same. and Maybe it would have been Max going to the back of Lewis. Um, I think Max slowed down a bit too much. And I think that's what essentially the FIA found in the end, looking at the brake trace, was there was a sudden um break. And why would Lewis want to go into the back of Max? Like, if he's out of the race, that's it. He's out of the championship. Like, there's no way he, he did that on purpose. Um But yeah, anyway, su- suffice to say, it's, it's a hugely divisive event in itself across a hugely divisive weekend generally, um, that did leave a bit of a bitter taste in many, many mouths as a result, um, not least because some of the media around being in Saudi Arabia at the beginning of the weekend uh, and certainly some of the comments from Hamilton and, and some of the activities, Sebastian Vettel and things like that. Um, but by the end of the weekend, there wasn't a driver that wasn't praising the racetrack, acknowledging there needs to perhaps be some safety changes or uh, this, that and the other, because it's the fastest street circuit on the calendar and it's the first time they've been there um there's you know there's blind corners they had to put out safety cars left right and center for debris work to do but drivers loved racing there a lot of them did Except Against them. which he gave a wonderful answer to so uh you've driven here now what do you think of it he goes it doesn't matter i'm not coming back yeah, a classic, a classic <laughs>
1: Iceman style. Listen, yeah. I'll always be a diehard Formula One fan, and I'll be tuning in at Abu Dhabi. You know, i yeah. openly wasn't going to watch this race. And I stuck by my guns, um, and I'm looking forward to next season with the hybrid era. But listen, deep down, there's always an under. I'm always an under fan of the underdog. I hate the constant winning, and we've seen Max it Verstappen in One. Max Verstappen
0: is not an underdog.
1: Max Verstappen is an underdog. He is in a not slower either. car, and he is taking on the might of a Mercedes hybrid era power.
0: 100% say, he's an underdog uh, like I don't know Charles Leclerc coming through and winning the championship would no, no, that's be a bit that's impossible. underdoggy that's impossible this is this is an underdog I mean Formula 1
1: but, but listen I mean Cy supports underdogs all his life in Chicago and he knows what I'm talking about
0: it's good to have a different winner I agree and but I just want the I like the cleanness of having an 8th world title of having that done marked off and we can move on and just bring in a new era. I want it signed off and delivered. One thing's important
1: to note for those fans, uh, those fans of ours listening to the podcast who may not be diehard Formula One fans, but they'll know the name Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna won a world championship by driving into Alain Prost. Now, we could possibly see the same here. People don't want to. They want to see a clean fight. They hope it's one of those races where they're both ahead and they just battle to the end for a world championship. Can you imagine how exciting that's going to be? It will light up an awful racetrack over in Abu Dhabi, but it's under the lights, so it kind of looks okay. But yeah, this has happened before. We've seen people drive into other people. What would the FIA do? Disqualifying from the world championship?
0: I don't know, there's another twist in this tale and man, I'm going to have my cup of tea ready for it. I think, yeah, I think there'll be fireworks this Sunday. Um... Simon uh I know you've got a lot to say on this but um we we should probably park it for another day um let's uh let's wrap that up there if you've got anything you want to jump in on any of the divisive issues we talked about already on this show um already substantial meaty highlights uh then feel free to get in touch with us on twitter or instagram at wednesdaypod on either here we are uh to our um middle uh but simon ben you want to talk about um a number of things that's going on on the global scale um uh, the global uh, platform of sports and that is um situated in china at the moment and there's lots of headlines around sport and china Um uh, simon kick us off what's happening
2: well first of all going back to what you were saying just a minute ago dan uh On Paddy Power, I've just checked a second ago, Lewis Hamilton is one to two favorite to be the uh, world champion again, which makes Max Verstappen the underdog. Clear underdog. I would mic drop, but I really don't want to drop this mic because it costs too much. (laughs) Um, So effectively, yeah, I just want to talk briefly about, I think there's just a lot of stuff in the news at the moment that's, it tends to go back to eventually to the same source or the same focal point. Um, so I'd like to talk at, first of all about a, a young, um, I would say young gentleman, but he's a gigantic man. He's Enos Cantor. He is, uh, or Enos Cantor freedom, as we will discuss in a second, uh, who is a, uh, center for Boston Celtics. He's played for about 500 teams in the N in the NBA. He's, uh, you know, a bit of a journeyman player, very outspoken. Um, but in recent times, he's kind of changed his uh, outspoken nature from just talking just randomly about various players and stuff like that to making it more about specific world topics. So, effectively, what we're talking about here, Iniscanta Freedom. So he has become an American citizen. So before I was struck down last week with a cold and unable to come on, I was. Um, Go and talk about this last week. So now he's actually officially a US citizen. Um, he chose the name Ines Cantor Freedom uh, to stand up for persecuted groups around the world. This is a guy who, uh, for some sort of level of uh, context to this, uh, wouldn't come to the London Games because if there was a chance he went anywhere near Turkey... Um, he would be arrested. He is not allowed back in Turkey uh, because of his outspoken views on the Turkish government. Um, so anyway, yeah, he's taken uh, a lot of shots recently at various uh, personalities within um, the NBA. Uh, Joe Tsai, the owner of the uh, Brooklyn Nets, who is a outspoken supporter of China. Um, we obviously had the issue a while ago uh, where... Daryl Morey, who at the time was the GM or general manager of the Houston Rockets, uh, who had to have an embarrassing climb down after some comments made about China uh, because he was forced to by the NBA because of um, the the big and quite real threat that China would have boycotted the NBA completely. And there's still a massive hit on the NBA from China because of previous comments made. Um, but yeah, going back to Enos Kanter, he uh, he took aim at China itself. It um, took aim at Josai uh, mainly because of the treatment of the minority Turkish uh, Turkish ethnic ethnic people. The uh, Yugas, I believe, is the pronunciation. I'm terrible at pronunciations of. of, of of country names and an ethnic group. So I apologize if I butchered it completely, but uh, you know, we don't need to go into too much detail, but they are going through a horrendous time at the moment, effectively uh, being forced into work camps, concentration camps, potentially um, going through horrendous situations um, and all, you know, under the watchful eye of, you know, uh, Chinese government um, potential, uh, and, and, you know, a large number of supporters, so obviously we're talking about Joe Tsai, but even people like LeBron James has been targeted by Enos Cancer because of the fact of uh, he has a, a shoe deal with Nike and a Nike are very much ingrained in China and have many of their workshops in China. And there's even potentially rumors that some of these uh, misplaced peoples, these uh, potentially uh, stumped on peoples are actually being used in China. Nike factories and things of that nature. So Enos Cantor is very much standing up against these things. Uh, he's also taken aim at, uh, Jeremy Lin, uh, who is of, uh, Taiwanese, uh, descent. He's an Asian American born in California, but with Taiwanese descent, uh, who's now playing currently in China. It, it's just kind of lashing out frequently, but he does have a little bit of a point, but as we will discuss a bit later, um, it kind of brings up a central theme. And this, as I said, we'll talk about a lot. Does politics have a place in sport? Do sportsmen have a place in discussing politics? Um, and it brings a very interesting kind of thought. And you, uh, at home, you're listening to this. Yeah, love you to kind of get involved and discuss it on Twitter. I know it's a minefield of a, of a subject to discuss without, you know, potentially saying something you don't mean to say, but, it also creates a very interesting topic and yeah i mean yeah even the biggest names such as lebron james you know with his deal i mean lebron james has more money than than you know small countries probably even some medium-sized countries so therefore <laughs> does he need to have a deal with a uh, company that is potentially uh exploiting um exploiting labor and everything like that um is there a still a a way for in you know in a a, a sport that has so much money in it for dignity and pride and uh you know ethical uh responsibility come above making money so um it brings brings a lot of interesting points to discuss and Ben, i know you had a a certain thing to discuss around a a slightly different topic but i'm sure dan will want to put a segue in there so if i stop talking and and let dan segue away I want to talk back uh, to a couple of yeah. points there. Um
1: f- firstly I think it is important to say that all humans are hypocrites. You know, I think the word hypocrite has as a really strong emotive, you know, vibe about it, but we are all. It's it's rare that the we relentlessly follow our views. Yeah, you know, some some incredibly religious people may follow those religious views, but you know, we all make certain uh,
2: Allowances. We don't always
1: adhere to our beliefs. Yeah, certain allowances. We don't always adhere to those beliefs. It's, it's just steadfastly. I think with regards to a couple of the points you made there. First and foremost, LeBron James. That's a super important one. LeBron James is massively wealthy, but he's massively wealthy through uh the 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 uh, Nike deal. That's a big part. I mean, obviously, he gets a large salary from the Lakers, but it's a big part of his deal. Is his shoes? He's kind of followed on what we saw with Michael Jordan that basically is a big part of the NBA, um, selling merchandise. And again, in terms of the workshops in China, important to note that China have sort of 1.4 billion people. And they they, they estimate that over 1 billion are living in the middle class or higher. China is an incredibly well-run country. Regardless of what your views are, they have minimal poverty in relation to the size of their country. And America has massive poverty in relation to the size of their country. So maybe, you know, America can't sit on that high horse. But when people like NS, and I think I'm going to bring Lewis Hamilton into this they put their views forward yet they still pay, they still play and get paid the money by the league who has big uh, con, uh, uh, TV right deals with China and have same with Lewis Hamilton. He talks about Saudi Arabia, how you know they were killing journalists and abhorrent uh, views on women it, from what we understand. I, I've not been to Saudi Arabia, but from what I understand, um, but he still races there. He still picks up the money. He still rolls towards his eighth world championship. So it doesn't seem to stop these people. So, The morals go to a certain point, and then it doesn't become an issue. Now, this is where the WTA have actually come in and said, actually, no, our morals are pretty strong. The WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, have suspended all tournaments in China. Now, this is a pretty astonishing move. It comes amid the concerns for the safety of Peng Shui. I talked a couple of weeks ago about her. The quote from uh, Steve Simon, the WTA chairman, I'll read this out. With the full support of the WTA board of directors, I am announcing the immediate suspension of all WTA tournaments in China, including Hong Kong. The issue here is the sheer wealth um, that playing in tennis tournaments in China brings to the game. There's estimates, I think, are into the tens of millions, possibly north of nine figures eventually, there are about ten WTA tournaments annually in China, and Peng Shui is obviously a massive uh, um, sports star over there. And uh, they also have the end of t- the ending tour finals, which have actually been signed on and scheduled for a. Decade It's a ten-year deal. We used to have the ATP, the the the, the men's side, uh, tour finals at the O2 Arena, and that's now gone over to Turin, I think. Um, so there's massive money in tennis. We we talk about it a lot. There's massive money, obviously, in NBA and Formula One. These are big, big sports. But since the WTA have dropped out, the ITF, and that's the overall governing body of tennis, the International Tennis Federation, have said that it will not cancel all its tournaments. So, basically, referring to the ATP, the uh, the men's side of the of the of, this, uh, of the ball, uh, side of the, the tennis ball. Um, Albeit Novak Djokovic has backed the WTA, so has ex-players like Andy Roddick and Dan saying before we went on air. Navratilova was open about that as well. The ITF basically said they didn't want to punish 1.4 billion people for the acts of a few. Now, the clear message here is twofold. One, when Europe sees a high-profile sexual assault case brushed so brazenly under the carpet, they don't like it. Two, Europe... and and the Western world love pushing our ideals on the rest of the world. We think there is a certain way to be, and that is how it should go. Now, tennis has been played out in some countries with abhorrent human rights violations, but now chooses to back Peng Shui wholeheartedly. I don't know the answer. I'm interested to see Dan's view. Um, You're absolutely right. It does tie in politics massively. This goes well above just sporting news. This is world public interest news and it's, it's fairly important stuff uh, dan i know uh if you're going to mention maybe what's happened with regards to beijing as well next year um but what what do we do F- furthering on from simon's and mine that's two extra added news stories to this whole chinese narrative what is it going to break what's going to happen <clears throat>
0: Yeah, there's certainly a narrative, isn't there, that's developing and and undoubtedly being used by various parties. You know, inevitably, once you get into politics and money, then there is a spin that goes with that as well. However, um, to answer your earlier question, I think... um, forcing people to look elsewhere helps people stop looking inward as well because let's not forget that you know we're just as guilty of human rights violations uh, either in the past or you know currently whether they're on the surface or not but so it's easier to say oh look over there look they're bad people not us um not to distract from bad things that happen elsewhere but you know we do need to take a measured look at this um yeah, it's and the reason I, I pick up on this is mainly it's some of the bigger headlines, so unlike both of you, I don't spend a lot of time looking into the depths of sports news and you know, you know all that kind of stuff. So I tend to see this stuff as it surfaces um, but also hot off the heels of being in Saudi Arabia and the con- you know the contention around that. but yeah, Beijing Winter Olympics, which, Man, who doesn't look forward to Winter Olympics? It's it's like, it's fucking incredible, isn't it? Winter Olympics has some Grateful. of the greatest sports. Great um, fun. And we're going to talk about what we did at the weekend, Ben, because we didn't do it a minute ago uh, as a prelude to the Winter Olympics. Um, but yeah, of course, this is in Beijing in 2022, in February. So the US now, uh, as a result of you, Sai, you were talking about these... Um, uh, these, this, this Muslim group, the, um, the U S diplomats are going to boycott the Olympics. So what that means is it doesn't affect any of the athletes in theory. Um, everything goes ahead as normal, but the normal entourage of U S diplomats doesn't go to the country, the host country, um, which is, you know, essentially like, you know, picking your, you know, do your Flick your, what is it? Pick your thumb at me, sir. That one, the Romeo and Juliet thing. It's essentially a bit like doing that. It's, it's, it is um quite a, it's quite a power move to do that. So of course, China have said they'll respond uh, in a certain way, in this and the other. So. this tension is just building and building and building but you know and some people are taking stronger stances, like you say Ben you know the WTA because you know it's it's a woman that was affected so and that's you know it's an organization that represents women so they're like nah that's it that's our line um the 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 organization that represents men's like well you know you know it's we don't want to ruin it for everybody kind of thing you know that's essentially saying oh that's a woman's problem you know we'll, we'll we'll just sort of carry on as is but that's how it could be perceived anyway. So uh, yeah, there's so much going on. I don't know the answers to it other than there is also an argument for continuing to go into countries to engage on a global scale, to help sport um, shine lenses and shine lights on things around the world and other people's, because not everybody uh, in China is accused of doing bad things. There's lots of incredible people in China doing incredible things. Um, you know, they should be in the news and we should be celebrating with them and in partnership and joy of sport all together. So, you know, that's the nice side of things that the optimist in me would like to see. So, I
2: mean... Uh- I've got two two things to say now. So going off what you say, I think in, in some ways you, you're right, and I think if we if you if you leave or you don't attend or, or you bring negative publicity, like I mean, this has been uh, obviously openly uh, criticised by by Beijing, um, quite rightfully so, understandably uh, that you know the Americans have decided to make this statement. Um, but at the same point, um, going over there, you know, I think I don't want to not stereotype, but I don't want to uh, make aspersions, but do you think people are going to be able to make particular, um, you're not going to be able to make particular gestures and comments of things of that nature within the Winter Olympics within Beijing? Surely I think that a lot of this will be potentially censored if uh, you know if outlandish statements were made. Um, so yes, in some ways you're right, but in some ways maybe you won't have the outlandish statements that maybe would be made in other parts of the world um, because of the political ramifications, the, uh, possible, uh, safety element of doing so. So that's one thing. Um, it's also important to think that it's, even though the U S have taken the brunt of the, um, the kind of attention on all of this, they're not the only team that I've done this, the uh, or country that have done this, the New Zealand, uh, team will also not be, uh, sending a, uh, a team of that nature um the uk and australia are also potentially thinking about doing so as well so um it's becoming more of a a world issue um obviously you have an issue a, a situation where these are relatively close allies of the us and therefore may just be doing this out of a political affinity and uh, to get some brownie points and some kudos uh, by doing so because as you say i mean It's not entirely clear what will happen to the athletes. um, Whether any of them will be pressured not to go, it would be a very interesting statement as well. Whether any of them will decide not to go out of moral perspective. Uh, I think because of the nature of um, the fact that it's the Olympics and it only happens once every four years and you've been training for such a long time that you won't have many people drop out from an ethical uh, reasoning anyway, just because of the fact that it's just so you know, you get one chance or two chances maybe if you're lucky in most of these Winter Olympics. So therefore, if people start doing that, you know, you, you're potentially curtailing your potentially glittering career. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of interesting things to say. And and like you guys, I do agree in the fact that is there a right answer? Is there a wrong answer? It's very difficult to say. And if this happened roles reversed, we, would we all be uh, criticizing China or whatever for not going to America? It just, just creates a massive, uh, you know, massive clusterfuck in a way
0: <laughs> yeah it's a, it's it's a good, good way work. of describing it um it, you, you reminded me si of uh excellent interview with ian richards uh, the paralympian race walker who talked about his experience of going to uh, moscow in 1980 yeah a not dissimilar situation. Um, There was boycott of the games. Uh, It was up to the athletes to decide individually whether they wanted to go. Um, And him included and others made the decision that them not going is going to change nothing. Um, So, and for them, it's like you say, it's that opportunity for them to progress in their sport, to get a personal best, to get an Olympic gold, to do something that they may not get a chance ever to do or be part of again and he was hounded they were hounded by the press you know why are you going um and you know the press were told not to ask questions of this nature and it didn't happen so um athletes preparing to go to beijing will not be um uh ignorant of this fact that they'll have all those pressures on top of the already high pressure, you know, the pressure cooker situation we're in with, um, you know, mid pandemic, uh, you know, the political tensions, not to mention their own training regimes and the pinnacle of their careers. And I yeah, I mean, to make those decisions uh, as an individual, um, I just hope that the sporting bodies give them the support they need, whatever choices they are able to make. Um, I imagine some will do better than others on that.
1: Yeah, I think with regards to the athletes, uh, the Winter Olympics. Okay, they they can basically go, I think, and represent their country. But in terms of tennis, they can't go and play games that aren't on, games that haven't been scheduled. You know, the ATP Tour Finals is the fifth major of the season, effectively on the tennis calendar, um, on the women's and men's tours. You know, in different countries themselves, Uh, and China are not some back alley country they're a global superpower if not the global superpower alongside america so they don't have to back down do you think um xi jinping is it is gonna change his mind and say oh actually yeah sorry yeah it was sexual harassment we're gonna put this guy in jail and peng shui's uh free to leave no he's not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna turn around and say we were wrong so there is no good ending for this you know i'll just put there uh, an arrow that just ends in nuclear war i mean i I don't know how far it goes to, do you just have Chinese uh, sport and uh, non-Chinese sport? Um, I mean, you have a Chinese box office, an American box office. Are we going to drive away on all these different angles? Um, Snooker, just seen a Chinese winner. So, you know, Snooker's just seen its first Chinese winner. It's real... First Zhao, incredible first player since he's 25 year old. So he's not too young, but um, kind of their first real hopes since uh, Ding Zhonghui, And that's a massive sport. So are we then going to ban China from playing at the Crucible in Sheffield? Well, the guy lives in Sheffield, so I don't, I don't know. There's just so many um, permutations to all this. And uh, is it good that we have people like Ennis? And Lewis shouting and raving, and in reality not
0: doing anything, or is that is that raising awareness? I think it's uh, uh, I think it's perhaps a little unfair to say nothing's happening as a result of it. Uh, I think we're seeing a lot of great work come out of what Hamilton's pushing and working with, not as a sole person, because uh, he's working with an incredible team of people around him, particularly the stuff around education, the Hamilton Foundation. There's really good work happening there. Um, and he's using his platform. Um, but I think you can't talk about that without the tension of, you know, being sponsored by Patronus and going, you know, still going into these countries and things like that. Um, however, you know, the people who are in the sports that don't get paid 80 million quid a year, um, you know, curling, for example, they don't necessarily have the luxury of being able to not do something. Uh, if the opportunity arises. they might you know not have an op- option it is it, it's
1: it's illegal to be gay in qatar before hamilton went there and wore his rainbow helmet it's still illegal to be gay in qatar it yeah. didn't change yeah. jack shit and and this is the thing you know this posturing by these super billionaire sports stars who have the easiest lives in the world that get to do the things they love go into these countries complaining openly but still taking home the paycheck no, uh, I, I actually, the more I think about it, the the, the more, um, more it annoys me.
2: So, I mean, it, it creates a very different issue because effectively we're going or kind of circling around the idea that sportsmen shouldn't be potentially trying to, in, to make, you know, to inspire change, which doesn't sit entirely well with myself. I know that for sure. I mean, Obviously, we don't want to. we wax lyrical about Mar- Marcus Rashford in the last over the last year or so, uh, rightfully so. Although he himself was was criticised from various circles, uh, you know, told to uh, stop interfering in political matters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, once again, I think this is something that, yes, there is a hypocrit- critical edge to it, um, especially when you're talking about sportsmen who are paid millions and millions and sportswomen who are paid millions and millions of pounds to compete and from dodgy charity. We talked obviously um and it will still sticks in my craw the idea that Fury and Joshua would have been in Saudi Arabia, for example, which in itself is is criminal in my opinion. But at the same point, I think for me, sportsmen, you know, if you don't do anything, yes, you may be considered a hypocrite and but if you don't do anything then use your platform, usual, I mean, things like social media in the last 10 years or so has become a major thing around the world. And obviously social media predates last 10, but I think now it's reached its own stratosphere and you have a situation where people have an audience and you have to be able to highlight issues. I mean, it is a difficult situation and and people like Enos Cantor himself. Um, I know you probably don't read many of his tweets. I mean, he's a very fiery character. He's a very much a, a black and white kind of, this is happening. This isn't that thing when necessary. Maybe there is just a creative discussion, um, or, or go about it in a certain way. He is very much a hit you over the head with a frying pan kind of levels of blunt. But at the same point, yeah, for me, you have to consider these people have a platform and they have to use it. Surely. And I think that is a wonderful moment to
0: uh end uh meety middle there because um maybe for the first time in the history of this podcast, I agree completely with Simon. Yes. Bombshell. Uh, <laughs> a remarkable moment that I will treasure for minutes. Um, so yeah we will wrap up there <laughs> suffice to say we, much like the pandemic um, has been a constant uh, within our podcast because we started it in a pandemic um, I'm sure that politics and sports will continue to rear their inexorably linked relationship um, it, w- within our conversations over the months to come as well and we will uh, of course uh, bring you our own Insights. If you want to get in touch with us, if you've got any thoughts on what we've discussed, please do reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Wednesday Pod. On either, here we are. We're going to do the thing where we look ahead to sports, but I'm going to look back again because I forgot to mention earlier on in the show something that Ben and I did at the weekend just gone, and it was a highlight. It was glorious. Ben and I uh, visited um with my eldest the lap of lights at Silverstone wasn't it wonderful Ben
1: absolutely wonderful uh, i i did donuts on silverstone you on the silverstone on
0: circuit I, and i accelerated away from uh, p1 position you
1: Dropped a tire onto a wet curb like a
0: crazy man. I, I had my wets on. I had my full. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so the raining. The the, the Peugeot
1: nine one seven we were driving was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Uh but we did another we did a sport. We did a thing. What was the to quote Jeremy Clarkson, we did a thing. We did a thing. We did th- we did the curling. Which is amazing. So and hard work.
0: Maybe we're just unfit. And I don't think it was an accurate representation of real curling on real ice. It was the stuff on ball bearings down a bit of hardboard. And them, we but. didn't have those uh, the chimney sweeps uh,
1: uh, sweeping no. the, sweeping the curling. No, no, no. Uh, cur- what is it called? Stone.
0: Uh, stone. Yeah, okay. stone. Go, isn't with it? Stone. Go uh, stone. We we just had some angry bloke getting pissed off because he couldn't get on because he turned up too late or something. Imagine but if he's was... one of our listeners. <laughs> Come on the show, join us. We'll tell you just what an absolute tool you were. Um, the um, It was glorious, though. It was excellent. Um, I strongly recommend it. You get to drive around a lap of Silverstone in your own crap banged out car. Uh, and it's a lot of fun as you come right around to that new home, uh, the, the start, finish, straight. And you get to go up into that building as well, up into the... Um, where all the food is, they call it the lodge. Well, it's it's just, and you walk down the pit lane when the ice rink is, it's just a special experience. It really lovely. <laughs> I, I, I strongly recommend if you haven't to go and check it out. And a lot of cool lights. Right, let's actually look forward. Uh, Simon, we'll whiz past you because you've got nothing to look forward to. <laughs> well, Ben and I are sharing one. All right, um, uh, go go ahead and share it. Listen, we share this massively because something big's happening
1: this weekend. Uh, Steven Gerrard and his mighty Villa. Listen, when he first joined, I said they were going to win the Champions League within two seasons. No, qualify for the Champions League within two seasons, sorry. Uh, I still stand by that. Honestly, this is a rejuvenated Aston Villa playing good stuff, defending well, giving 110%. And when you've got a squad like Aston Villa with real genuine talent and they play at 110%, suddenly they start winning games, and a lot of them. Although I don't think they're going to win this weekend because they're at Anfield, or at the mighty Liverpool. Um, Steven Gerrard's coming to manage. I think Rangers and Liverpool played a friendly last season, but that doesn't count. This is a premiership proper game, and lo and behold, it's scheduled at 3pm and isn't on the television. Now, Obviously, there'll be many illegal streams, and I promote the illegal streams in this situation because why the
2: f is this not been changed to be on television? It's probably because it was too it happened too late, didn't it? It happened uh, well. Obviously, Steven jarrod only joined Villa what, literally, three weeks ago, yeah, four weeks, three ago, weeks ago, ago. I mean, so surely Amazon Prime the- can say, "Let's buy the rights and, and, and broadcast it." You think the possible, but there's this this ban on games at three pm, which is it's still, in my opinion, absolutely ludicrous and so inhibiting on on football fans who can't make it to these games. And yeah, we're we're, we're basically cheated out of a what will be a very special event because. Stephen Gerrard yeah I mean to be fair to you and I know it's early doors and it might all go downhill and we shall find out very very soon but you know he's done really well I mean, we've won three out of four games Uh, we've played really really well in in stages obviously not consistently but you know he's still tinkering with his team to find the best lineup yeah uh, it's going really well and uh, it's sad that we neither of us will be able to watch it legally uh And, you know, we'll potentially have to get a couple of viruses on our on our laptops or phones in order to try and get (laughs) the stream up. Um, I've got a
1: thing with uh, listening to games I really love listening to the uh, liverpool.com um, radio coverage it's really lively really fun they usually have a couple of Liverpool legends on there it's obviously very Liverpool biased so it's kind of cool for a fan to listen to but I would recommend people liverpoolfc.tv dive in listen to it it's always a new experience to listen to a game if you're not used to that it's actually a really good way of getting your football in because we we, we see so much we know what it looks like um, but yeah I, I thoroughly believe Gerard will come and play football at Anfield and I think that will go very badly for, for Villa uh, right now given our form
2: although to be fair and I'm sorry to cut you off Dan um, uh, what happened last time Aston Villa came into Anfield uh, in the Premier League
1: listen I, I, I don't look backwards I only look forwards
2: <laughs> right fair enough uh, what what happened in lightness? Uh, uh, one team scored seven, I believe, and another <laughs> team scored two.
0: That was not Armfield. Don't lie. Uh, ben, ben genuinely is really upset by this being brought up. Let's move on. Um, I, talking about <laughs> listening to sport on radio, um, I remember listening to the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans this year uh, through their radio station, Radio Le Mans, uh, while I, I was having to do like a long run, so I was listening to it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was way more engaged listening to it um, over on the hills than I was uh, watching it on the telly, I think, actually, because the coverage, they fill gaps and they give you background, they give you context uh, way more than TV commentators do. It's really great.
1: It's very difficult because the old adage that a picture says a thousand words, well, sans picture, you need a thousand words. So you basically they're talking constantly, like, describing not only the action,
0: but where it yeah. is on the and pitch. And got to do it in actual um, layman's terms um, as well, Simon. Yeah, I stand listen, by my honestly, well, my
2: description. My description was fine.
0: You've definitely got a voice for radio. Um, if listen, if Gerard oh, comes
1: to voice for radio, he's got a wonderful voice for radio. A good and compliment. Face
2: TV. Face TV.
1: <laughs> a body of the gods. Yeah, he's a Enough. legend. Um, I think if if Steven Gerrard comes to Anfield and plays. Uh, a little three deep fire zone and brings the nickel off the edge, then <laughs> they are going to obliterate us. That's all I can say. Yeah.
2: yeah. Watch out for uh, that safety. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Classic. Make sure safety's off. Um, permutations time. Yeah, we are going, as Ben said, into the last race of the Formula One season with the two title contenders on equal points wait, wait there
1: are no permutations it's the only time it's there is exactly. there, there are no permutations except there if aren't. they both
0: crash Verstappen wins yeah it literally just said what I'm gonna say then thanks <laughs> well that's all all left all that's left <laughs> to say <laughs> Yeah. Essentially, it has gone down to the wire, but Max Verstappen has more race wins. So, if they score, uh, if neither of them score any points, or for whatever reason uh, one gets disqualified or something, then it is done. It's rolled back to most race wins, and that would be Max Verstappen. So, all Max needs to do is take Hamilton out and win the championship. So, you know, it's all there to play for. Uh, but. F- f- a good clean race it's whoever is in front of the other one wins the championship and that's kind of what you want at the end of the season isn't it Ben is doing a little weird Frozen in
2: time Uh, you
1: what What you asking me if that's what I want for the end of the season no I want Bax Verstappen to win the title
0: you just like contrary takes no, no, it's like contrary takes Or all. I've never been a massive right, take, Hamilton Take fan. Max and Hamilton out of the equation. Do you not want just two people fighting for the championship in the last race of the season where it could go either way? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. We've literally got almost our ideal season, in a way. We
1: have, bar a few poor races. It's actually yeah. amazing. I can't wait to watch it. Is it an evening race as well in
0: no, our it's
2: 1pm. Oh, 1pm. Sorry. Before we go any further, Dan, I'd just like to ask just to kind of uh, to to crown this all off to cap, you know, put it all together. um, Is uh, Verstappen the underdog? Yes. Well, uh,
0: you're the betting man. You tell me that officially him being second favorite makes
2: him the underdog. It does make him the underdog. He is the underdog to, uh, to win this. So ultimately... Shouldn't we all back the underdog? Is that not what we want? Rather than back the evil empire, we should go for a nice, fresh blood. Is that not what we should do?
1: We need to support the small drinks manufacturer, Red
0: Bull,
2: the small businessman
1: behind that small company. They're
0: going to be big. They're going to be big. Watch this space. You mark my words. Red Bull are going to be a thing. (laughs) Um, And on that note, we will actually, one more thing to say about next week's show we're going to do a little bit of a Sports Personality of the Year uh, special because that's coming up at the end of next week and that's a bit of a jewel in the crown for some of the athletes but of course we usually focus on the main sports personality of the year but there are a number of other categories as well so we're going to take a look at some of those things and maybe throw in some of our own personalities as well can we do sports country of the year as well
1: (laughs) is that going to get overly political no 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 i'm not saying it's china but they're in the
0: pot (laughs) Right. On that note, it's a Yeah. Yeah. go. Okay.
2: Yeah. And also just to say as well, that before we started, when we discussed this, Dan already got who was going to be sports personality wrong. So, uh, yeah. Looking forward to next week. Can't wait. There we go. All right.
0: Well, that does bring us to the end of this show. If you want to get in touch with us, say hi, tell us your opinions, send them on. Uh, then you can find us on Twitter at WednesdayPod and on Instagram at the TheSame. Um, please do join us next week. But all that's left to say is I've been Dan.
2: I've been Enos Cantor Freedom.
0: I've been Ben. Until next last Wednesday of the week. Take care, be kind, bye bye.